We are learning Daf Samach Beis, and we're starting from two lines down, where the Gemara says, We're in the middle of a discussion about the fact that Gayim are excluded from Nazirs. And we came to that because the Pasuk says, Dabra B'nei Yisrael, and we expound B'nei Yisrael and not Gayim. The Gemara was bothered that since the Pasuk in the Torah says, Dabra B'nei Yisrael, then it also says, Ish. So we should say that there's a sort of compromise where Gayim should be included somewhat. And the example where we have, where we do such a thing, is by Erechen. By Erechen, it says, Dabra B'nei Yisrael. But it also says ish. So by erichin we say goyim are somewhat included and somewhat excluded. We say that they're included in the sense that they could be the subject of an erichin, but they're excluded in the sense that if they pledge to bring the erich of somebody, that they are exempt. And the Gemara was trying to figure out yesterday, why don't we do the same thing by Nazirus? The Gemara came up with all sorts of sources that uh, the goyim are completely excluded from Nazirus or that it was not possible to include them uh, somewhat. So now the basic point that we were making though by erichin is that goyim are included somewhat and excluded somewhat. So the Mar says, why do I need that possible? Why do I need the ish over there to include Gaim somewhat, that the Gaim could be the subject of Erechen? We know that there's a general hakish and Erech vow is similar to a vow in general. When the Pasuk speaks about Erechen, it, 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 it describes the Erech vow as being like a nether, which is general. So basically we know that an Erech and a, and a nether are similar. And it says by Nadarim, ish. The Pasuk says a person, not to ish, ish. When it talks about a carbonos, that a person, a nether, nidre hektish, that a person vows to bring a carbon to Hashem. It says ish, ish in the double. We say that we include Gayim. They're able to pledge and darm and davos just like a regular Jew. So we know that Gaim are included in Erechin, and, and, and we should know that Gaim are included in Erechin because Erechin are nether and, 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 and Gaim are included in the darm. If so, ish kiafli berechalamli. Why do I need the word ish by Erech vows to include Gaim somewhat? They should automatically be included somewhat. They should be included somewhat because of the fact that Erechin are described as vows. So to summarize, by Erechin, yes, it says B'nai Yisrael, and we're, we're going to exclude Gaim somewhat. We're going to exclude Gaim from making an Erech. But in terms of them being subject of Erech, the Gemara is arguing that we don't need an additional Pasuk to include them somewhat in being the subject of the Erech vow. We should say that they're included somewhat simply because Erechin are referred to as Nidarim, and we know that Goyim are part of Nidarim. So the Gemara says, you know what? You're right. The word ish is not necessary to include Goyim to be the subject of an Erech. The word ish can be used for other things. Elahai ish. What is the word ish coming to include? It's needed to include a muflat samaklish, that means a minor who's in the year right before his bar mitzvah. So normally we say before before your bar mitzvah, you don't have das. What you do is not binding. But by nedarim, by erechin, we're saying that 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 there's a unique halacha that as long as he's a mufla, he's smart and he gets it and he's on the verge of adulthood. So then he could in fact be included. So that's what we're using ish for. You're right. We're not using ish for the guy. So that's all good if it's true, that it's really true on a Daraisa level, that is Erechin and Daraisa, then it would be good. That's what we would expound. That's what we would expound from the word Ish. There's one opinion that says it's only Darabonan. So then Ishki Afli Lamali, what is Ishki Afli saying? Clearly, the Pasuk is not alluding to the Din Darabonan. So if it's not alluding to the Din Midrabonan, so then what is it coming to say? So the Gemara says, Maybe it's coming to tell us. Who is a guy? In other words, unlike a Jew, where we say you have to be an adult, the, the vow that a guy makes could be even if it's just So very interesting, very interesting point. So now we would say that maybe that's what's coming to be. Uh, that's what's coming to be included here. It's a very interesting halacha that would almost like an irony that would come out. 
if I have a mufa asamachlish as a Jew, it's not midaraisa. Mufa asamachlish as a guy, it is, it is daraisa. Very interesting idea that it should be that way. We shouldn't him struggle why, in fact, it should be that way. But Al-Kopanam, that's what we're trying to say. That the ish would include kaim. So the gemara honey cholamanda amar neitzar nerachin uvachavim nerachin yachum erichin tamalomar ish shop here. If you go like the manda amar, and this is not the manda that we've been quoting until now. Until now, just to back up for a second, we've been explaining that kaim are excluded from making the erich, but they're included in being the subject of the erich. So now the gemara is coming back and saying like this: You're trying to say that the word ish can be include even a mufla samach le ish who's a guy. That's all good if you say not like what we said before. That you would say, and this is one Tanu who holds, that the exclusion of Goyim is they're excluded from being the subject of the Eirech vow. You would say that they can't even make the Eirech vow. Tamalomer Ish, we include them in being able to make the Eirech vow. So if you go like that opinion, so Goyim are excluded from being the subject of the Eirech vow, but they're included in making the Eirech vow. So then you can understand that, that, that now the extra word Ish can be including even a Hamufla, even if he's just on the verge of adulthood. Even if he's just on the verge of adulthood and he's a guy, that he is able to uh, make the Erech vow. vow. But according to the other opinion that we've been exploring, that the exclusion of Bnei Yisrael and Goyim is that the Goyim can, they can never make the Erech vow. The question is only whether they can be the subject of the Erech vow, and that's what we're including them in Ish. So then why would I need a Pasuk to say that even a Mufla Samachlish can be included in being a subject? In terms of being the subject, you don't need Das to be the subject of the Erech vow. Even, a, even just a month-old baby is enough, is old enough to be included as, as the subject of the Erech vow. So then Kiafli Lavali. So why would I need the Pasuk of Kiafli? So to summarize, we know that Goyim are included somewhat and excluded somewhat from Erech. And there's a Machlokas Tanom in which direction that goes. One opinion says they're excluded from making the Erech, but they're included in being the subject of the Erech. That's what we've been assuming until now. According to that view, the Gemara is arguing you wouldn't need the word Ish to include them that they could be the subject of the vow that they're included somewhat. Because well, what are you talking about? If they're, if, they're, if they're under the age of Bar Mitzvah, of course they're still included to be the subject of an Erech vow. That could be even if you're just, just a month old. And we already know without Ish, as the Gemara was bringing out, that Ka'im should be included somewhat because Erech and Arlach and Adar. The only thing that would make sense would be if you go the other way. That, that Goyim are excluded from being the subject of the Erech vow. They're only included that they can make Erechin. And there we would be saying that even if he's on the verge of adulthood, he would be included. But the Gemara is arguing that we can't rely on that answer since it's subject to the Machlokas. So the Gemara therefore wants to give us a different answer. Why we need the word Ish by Erechin. Amar Vadabrava, that's who you have comes to include an adult guy um, who, 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 who doesn't get it. Even though he's an adult, he doesn't know how to make a vow. In other words, sometimes you could understand that someone is a gadol, but he doesn't understand the nature of a vow. So, so, so maybe that's, that's what the word um, ish is coming to stress, is that it has to be someone who gets it. Now, it's hard to understand what the Gemara is saying, because what did we say before? We're saying B'nai Yisrael is excluding Gayim from taking Erech vow. So what does it mean we're excluding a, 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 from Ish a, a guy who's an adult who doesn't know how to do it, even if he... Even if he does not know how to do it, he's already excluded. So if you're trying to explain what the Gemara is saying is that you need two psukim for that. This that we said, B'nai Yisrael excludes Gaim from the Erechin completely, from making Erechin, we only said that because we also had Ish. So I have a double exclusion. So I say one excludes if he does if he's incapable of knowing what the Indian of, 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 of Nadarm is, and one excludes even if he does know what the Indian of Nadarm is. But if I only had one, then I only would have excluded a guy, only would have excluded a guy who does not know the Indian of Nadar. Okay, 
Now the Gemara continues, fine. So we've, we've, we've explained why we need the word ish. Elakiyafli. What about the word, it says kiyafli. Yafli means like you say clearly. Why, the, why does the Torah have to use that word kiyafli? Because Why does the Torah have to say the word kiyafli in the context of Naziras? Naziras is compared to Nadarim. Nadarim and, and, and all like, like Erechin, where it talks about kiyafli. So why does it have to say kiyafli? So the point that we're saying is that in the context of Erechin, it says clearly the word yafli. And that reflects now in the whole concept of the Nadarim, and Naziris are like Nadarim. So why does the Torah have to specify that word Yafli in the context of Naziris? So the Mara answers us, it comes to tell us the halacha about a partial declaration when it's unclear. So remember, there's a halacha of Yados, we learned it all the way back in the beginning of the Masechta and in Nadarim as well, that even a partial declaration is valid and binding. You don't have to say all the words, even if you just say a partial amount. And from the partial amount, it's clear that you intend to make yourself a Nazir, so then that's good enough. But what if it's clear, but it's not conclusively clear? It's Yadayim, but it's not Muchach. It's not absolutely clear that that's what you mean. So what's the Halacha? So we say Yafli tells us that it has to be absolutely clear. If it's not absolutely clear, then even if it seems that way, that's not good enough. The Itmar, as it was said, Yadam Shin what happens when I have a partial declaration which isn't so clear? Abai Amar Havin Yadayim, according to Abai, it is valid. Rava Amar Lo Havin Yadayim, Rava says it is not valid. So according to Rava, it's very good. We're going to use the word, <coughs> we're going to use the word Kiafli. To say the Yadayim Shin Mechichos is not Yadayim. Says the Gemara Lurav and according to Rav, you're right, it's good. What about according to Abai? Abai holds Yadayim Shin Mechichos are in fact Yadayim. So clearly he's not learning the word Yafli like that. So what do we need Yafli for according to Abai? So the Gemara says, Eliki Yafli, by the Chazar of Tafan, it's necessary for Abtafan to Tanya. Abtafan is talking about someone who makes a conditional Nazir. So you would say make a conditional Nazir as long as the condition ends up being fulfilled, that's good. But we learn in New Halacha of Yafli. That if there's any element of doubt and it's a conditional sort of Nazir, it's not binding. The Tanya says in Rise, Rabbi Yudah says over in the name, in the name of Rabtarfon, no one is an Allah. The scenario we're talking about is that there was uh, someone walking by and two people are saying, say, I'll be an Azir if that guy walking by is so and so. And someone says, I'll be an Azir if that person walking by is not so and so. So we say that no matter what the person really is, the people who to- undertook these declarations are not Nazir. And the reason is because Nazir is only given when it's going to be a really clear utterance. Says the Gemara, that's only Rabtarfon who expounds Kiafli that way. According to the Rabbanon, Rabbanon hold that even if it's not absolutely clear, it still could be binding. The Mishnah in Chagiga says that the fact that you can be matir nether, you can go over to a basin and, 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 get, uh, uh, and get the nether removed, it really doesn't have a good source in the Torah. It's not something that's mentioned explicitly. It's like hovering in the air, meaning there's no clear place where we learn it from. What are you talking about? I have a source. It says twice, the Torah says, which speaks about the, the words kiafli. And by once by Erechon and once by Naziris. Why is it saying Yafli twice? It comes to reference that there are two types of utterances. One is the utterance of a vow, which makes it binding. And one is a, 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 an utterance of a vow that you say in front of the basin to release it. So from here, from, the, from those, from Kiafli, we're darshaning. From Kiafli, we're able to expound, we're able to darshan that there's a heter when, uh, heter nadarm, if you go to a basin. So that's ends up, we understand what we do with Kiafli. All right, Vaiter, on the base. There's an aspect that's greater, more chamar by the Naziris of slaves than by the women. This is a concept back to Muhammad Al. Back to Samachal from We learned in the Mishnah there that slaves and women have Naziris, but the slaves is more chamar because by a slave, 
I'm sorry, women were more chamed, the Mishnah said, because by slaves, the master can compel, he can force his slave to violate in his ears, but you can't force your wife. So now, Mishnah is saying, but in a certain way, slaves are more chamed. If you within the 24 hours when you hear about your wife, you just want to revoke it completely, you can do that, it will be gone. But he can't revoke his slave's vows. There's no concept. So by the slave, you can force him to violate it. You can't force a wife to violate. But by a wife, you can revoke it. You can't what? You can't revoke the nidarim of one slave. Hey, for later, some revoked it for his wife. Hey, for Lamas, it's probably gone. Hey, for Lamas, you revoke for a slave. Yatsu lacheros, umashim zirso. If the slave goes free, he has to complete the nizir. So what are we talking about over here? So we're not talking about that it's revoking. It's that he made it like a macha. He, he, he forced him to violate it. That's what we mean. Again, by a slave, you can't revoke it. You just force him to violate it. So what we're saying is that if he then, if he then goes free, he has to complete the naziris. It didn't go away. It didn't cancel the vow. And that's good for the chilek. By a woman, that farz and darim cancels it. It removes the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole thing. But by a slave, it doesn't work like that. By the slave, all it does is that it forces him to violate it, but he would still have to keep it afterwards. What do we mean that the master can force him when we're talking about Nidarim, a master can force him to violate a vow. We're talking about Nazir. but not with Nidarim and Erechin. Now, as a Nadar Erech of a slave, Pachet, it means it is binding, and, and you can't override this. This, this, this would seem, seem to be um, the simple shot. That the Gemara seems to be saying that by Nazir, the master can force him to violate it. But by, by, by Nidarim and Erechin, he can't force him to violate it. So the Gemara doesn't understand this. Why is this? Mashna Gabi Nazir, what's by the difference between Nazir? You're going to tell me what's the idea that it's not binding, that he can't uh, that he can't do it because it says in general by nedarim that someone binds up their soul with the neder. So uh, a, 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 a slave is not in control to do that because his soul is not is not perfectly his. But if that's what it is, I feel like having a it should be for all nedarim as well. That's a general thing. It's not only by nedarim. So it should be a general idea that if a slave is taking a neder, so then he can't. Uh, if a slave is taking a nether, so the master should be able to override it. So what does this mean that a master can only override Naziris, but he's not able to override Nadarm? How could that be? So uh, the first thing Gamar tries to explain on a practical level why, why it's only impactful to the slave that he violate Naziris and not Nadarm. Imagine there was good grapes in front of him. If he asked himself on this cluster, so he's not answered to every type of grape. He's only also to the cluster in front of him. So unless you call the master has no ability to override it because the master's whole thing to override is because I, I don't want you to be a weak slave. I want you to be stronger. I want you to work well. But if, who cares? You just don't eat these grapes or the other grapes. If you're also to one cluster, you're also to all clusters. Then the master is able to override. So the idea of the Gemara is saying is that Naziris will impact the master and the strength of the slave more by Naziris than it will by Nadarim. So by Nadarim, he's not able to, by Nadarim, he's not able to, to cancel it because it won't impact him so much. But Naziris will impact him so much, that's why he's able to. But the Gemara doesn't buy that on a practical level. Imagine a case, the guy's starving. There's no other food besides this one cluster of grape. If he doesn't eat it, he'll be weak. Why can't you override the Nether in such a case? Maybe it was a grape seed. The Gemara initially understands a grape seed is not exactly the most nutritious thing. It's not so important. It's only also this grape seed, so the master can't override it. He's also from all grape products, all grape products. The master could override it. But the Gemara says still, even by nether, imagine the grape seed was, only, was the only thing available, it could make a difference. Gabi. Nidarim still by Nidarim Milo asking to lick Alakartsim. Couldn't the case be there's only this one grape seed? The only thing to eat is this one grape seed. If he doesn't eat it, he'll be weak. So the Gemara is basically arguing 
that there is certain cases that can cause weakness even by Nadarim. So what's this chilek that he can only that he can only cause his slave to violate Nazirus but not Nadarim? Why is there such a, a such a chilek? Elamar Abai, we missed the whole point. The Brizer wasn't saying that he can only force him to violate Nazirus, but he cannot force him to violate Nadarim. That's not what it's saying. It's something else entirely. Lamar So in what area does the master have to override? Meaning, in what area is it binding essentially just the master can override him, the Nazirus? It's only Nazirus that a slave's Nazirus is binding just because it can be overridden. However, he doesn't need to override his Nadarim. He doesn't need to override his Oz. The Nadarim and Shavuos that are made by a slave are not effective at all. So the point we're saying is that is mamish to the contrary. We're like coming out with an opposite conclusion. Nidharman shvuas that a slave makes, those are not binding even in the slightest, not binding at all. There's no need to override them. It's only Nazirus which is binding, and those can be over, the master is able to protest them and force him, force him to violate. My time, what's the reason that Nidharim and shvuas of a slave are not binding? Why not? He's a Jew, right? He's like a woman, why not? The Pasuk says that the power of a nether, talking about Oz here, it says that a person does to do good or to do bad. So we say, just just is doing good is something that he's able to do. So to the evil is something he's able to do. So what are we talking about doing good and doing bad? We mean like something like, I will eat this or I won't eat that. So, you know, like for example, in this example, if someone makes a shvua that they're going to do a sin, so then that's ineffective. You don't have a right to do that. So what we're saying here, so too, by, 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 by if a person will, will try to deny themselves of something, um, and say, oh, I'm not going to eat this and this and this. So a slave doesn't, has, doesn't have that ability. So therefore, so, so we say, I'm doing evil to other people. Shane Rosh doesn't have the authority. If a person would make a shvu, I'm going to hurt somebody. He doesn't have that capability. It's not in his control. So we're saying so too, the same thing. When a, when a, when a slave, it's not in his control to, to make an oath because can, when he's denying himself something, then he could, um, he could be hurting his master. So therefore, no matter what shvua or oath or nether that he takes, it's not binding. Because the Dharma and shvuas have to be lahara ulehetiv. It's not lahara ulehetiv because it would hurt his master. Now, what's interesting to say is that it's different for a slave. By slaves, we don't say that. The rush has a whole svar because we see that by Naziris, we learned back in the beginning of the Masechta, that Naziris is chal, even on wine, that you have a mitzvah to drink. So we see that the concept of lahara ulehetiv doesn't really apply to Naziris. Since it doesn't apply to Naziris, um, since it doesn't apply to Naziris, so then this Inyan al shouldn't apply to a slave as well. And he's able to, he's able to, in fact, get his Naziris across, just as a new din that the master is able to force him to, to violate it when it's necessary. So to summarize, when a slave makes a, a nether of Shavuos, B'chlau not binding at all. When, it, when a slave is making Naziris, it is binding, but the master does, in fact, have a right to force him to violate it. Says the Mishnah, Avar, the slave moved away from his, from his master, and as he ran away, he can't drink wine. When he's not in front of his master, then he has to observe the Nazirus. He should drink the wine if, he, if the master objected. So it, it applies, the objection applies even when he's ran away and he's not in front of his slave. He's not in front of his master. So we have an interesting machlokas. The slave, whose master protested, so, so generally we say, so then the protest works, he's supposed to drink wine. The, the, the machlok is not known here. What if he ran away? So what's the shayla? Let's say they're arguing about which mul after Someone who declared a slave ownerless. So he didn't give him a get or yet, but the slave ran away. Automatically, once he's, on, once he's ownerless, once he ran away, he's, he's free in circle You don't need get shekhar. He holds, you don't need the get. As, as long as soon as he run away, the master is miyayish and getting him back. It's like, it's like that point where he's ownerless by himself and he doesn't need to get shekhar. So Remeir is the Shmuel. Remeir holds the Shmuel, which Shmuel said. 
So Rabbi Yossi lets the Shmur. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi does not. And what, what is the Gemara trying to say? So if you hold the Shmur, mayor says he's a free man. So once you're free, so then his years comes back. So that's where a mayor is saying he can't drink wine because he became free. Once he became free, so the, the Naziris is there. Rabbi Yossi is saying he could drink. That's Rabbi Yossi is saying he's still a slave. He didn't go free. He's still a slave. He didn't go free. So then, um, so then, then that's why Rabbi Yossi was saying he's, he's allowed to drink wine. Because remember, the master had protested. So while he's still a slave, he should, he should be allowed to drink wine. So the Machlokas is, once he ran away, could you drink the wine or not? Machlokas is telling Shmuel whether or not he became free. It says the Gemara, low. It's not, it's not clear. It's cool. Everyone could hold the Shmuel. And if he really did miyaj, everyone would agree he's not the legal property of the master, and certainly the Naziris would take effect. In our case, maybe the, the master wasn't miyaj. He stopped not in front of his master. The master wasn't miyaj. So certainly with the master's protest, is still binding. So what's the machlok? The master is thinking to himself, okay, the slave's not here now, but he'll come back. Therefore, he thinks, let him drink wine now so he shouldn't be weakened. The master wants him to drink because he's planning on retrieving the slaves. He wants to make sure the slave's in good condition. So in order to prevent him from coming weak, the master is still opposing the Naziris. He wants him to drink. That's why Abiyosi is saying he drinks. According to Ramea, that he shouldn't drink. The opposite. When he's not here, let him be in pain. He should realize how much better he has it when he's by me. When he's by me, he's allowed to drink. When he's not by me, he won't. That will motivate him, incentivize him to come back. So everyone agrees here that the case is where the master was not miyaish, and therefore the slave is, still, is certainly still a slave. And the machlokas just is whether or not the protest continues. It's pasha in a way. What right now would the master prefer? The machlokas is what would the master prefer if the slave was not in front of him at this point?